3: Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adweek Presents, where we hear from some of the most recognizable names in music, television, sports, and film to learn about their unique approach to marketing that have made them legends in the industry. My name is Al Manorino, and I'm the senior producer of the Adweek Podcast Network. On this week's episode, we travel back to July 2021 for Adweek's annual Women Trailblazers Summit, where we invited female founders and leaders that have revolutionized the workplace by challenging the status quo and breaking barriers. I'm so happy this this week because I'm not talking to myself in the void anymore. I'm actually with Adweek's creative and inclusion editor and one of my favorite people on the planet, Shannon Miller, who actually spoke to this week's guest. Shannon, what's going on? Hi, I'm
4: so happy to be here on your show. How exciting.
3: So weird. This <laughs> is. I, I'm usually producing the show, so this, it's odd to have my own.
4: I, I love it. I love it. I love this dynamic. Let's
3: keep it going. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, tell us, without revealing who it is, even though people have already seen it in the title. Tell us a little bit about this conversation and this person, why it was so special to do this at uh, Women Trailblazers.
4: Well, I have the absolute honor of talking to um, not only an icon, but um, someone who has really guided my creativity journey. And um, we had an opportunity to chat about her company, uh, Pattern, which, if you know anything about um, just the hair care space and specifically the, the black hair care space, it is really booming and it's very hard to kind of stand out amongst like the fray. So we talked a lot about just branding, what that means and you know, what it means to sort of leverage your existing uh, personality and portfolio into something that is new um, for the community. We talked about how hands on she is with the entire brand, because um, as you know, just because a name is on a package, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily involved. Um, but this person is incredibly involved, and it's such a wonderful product. So it's good to know that she did have <laughs> a huge hand in why it's so great. Um, but one of the biggest takeaways that I took from that particular conversation was just this understanding of like the power that we have um, as Black women, um, as Black consumers, and what it means to really be authentic um, to not just one specific product, but just your branding in general. And we also got to talk a little bit about her career and kind of how she's been able to navigate that um, as just herself and someone who is able to advocate for themselves so ardently. So just... One of the best conversations I've had for ad week, and that is no shade to all of the other wonderful conversations I've had. But, man, this was a good one.
3: Absolutely. I'm very excited for people to hear this for the first time. If they didn't attend Women Trailblazers, that's the whole point of this podcast is they can hear amazing conversations just like this. Uh, but before I let you go, any other plugs? This, uh, this episode's coming out in a week. So you can actually, uh, plug some, uh, current stuff that you've done. I, I know you did a pretty amazing interview on, uh, your other podcast. You can plug that or anything else you got going on.
4: Well, I really want to plug like every single thing at once. Um, just because I'm really excited anytime I get to do anything for ad week, but some of the highlights really, uh, <laughs> I can't even believe I get to say this again, but on, our, our other podcast, yeah, that's probably an ad. We recently had the opportunity to talk to, talk to the Matthew McConaughey about um, his creative director role at Long Branch. Um, and we did that while um, getting to sip, or in some cases, gulp whiskey <laughs> whiskey bourbon. And that was quite the experience for me. So if you are um, a longtime listener or a first-time timer with... Yeah, that's probably an ad that is really an episode for the ages. So definitely check that out. And I'm also very excited for um, July when I get to debut my own show off Madison, which takes a really cool look at DEI and how it's progressing through the industry and also allows us to really celebrate some industry movers that are not necessarily in New York. So I'm really excited for all of that.
3: Amazing, and you can subscribe to Off Madison, and yeah, that's probably an ad by visiting adweek.com slash podcast with an S at the end. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to the crux of the matter. Shannon's amazing interview when Adweek presents Tracy Ellis Ross.
4: And please help me to welcome Miss Tracy Ellis Ross. Hello.
2: Hi.
4: How are you?
2: I am so great. Very excited to be talking to you and so excited about being on your cover.
4: <laughs> Can I just I not to take up the entire session with me just squeeing and, and fan womaning here, but the cover is not only is it just so reflective of the personality that we've gotten to know over the years, um, it is just gorgeous. And there's something about seeing a woman wear her hair in her natural state, seeing a Black woman wear her hair in her natural state on the cover of Ad Week that resonates with me and I know resonates with a lot of our Black uh, readers. So thank you so much for.
2: And two knots and door knockers on the cover of Ad Week.
4: <laughs> amazing, amazing, right? It's incredible. Yeah. I, I'm so excited to talk to you about your impact on the beauty industry and just your career in general. Um, So first, the first thing that I wanna start with is, and I know that sometimes this can be kind of like hard to remember, but do you remember the aha moment that led you to forming uh, Pattern Beauty?
2: I mean, in all honesty, there have been multiple, numerous, and so many aha moments. Um, I think my entire journey as a CEO and entrepreneur, or now as a CEO and entrepreneur, is a series of aha moments and learning experience and experiences and staying teachable. But as I was formulating the brand, the truth is that the brand is anchored in my own personal hair journey. Um, And like so many of us in the curly-coily and tight textured community, I think we could chronicle our journey of self-acceptance through our journey with our hair. I feel like for curly-coily and tight textures and um, for Black people, hair is like a portal into our souls. And it's one of the ways, particularly in the world that we live in, that when you learn how to um, sort of be an act of revolution by embracing your natural texture, you become your own best expert. And so my journey um, personally led me to this vast community that I'm a part of and so many other hair experts and the realization that there really were not products for us. That not only were we not being reflected that our beauty our authentic beauty our power our importance our um, um sort of the the creativity of what our hair does and the expansiveness of what our hair does wasn't not only was not being mirrored back to us but there weren't products that <laughs> supported our hair in their natural form there were products that we could use to make it straight. There were products that we could use to slick it down, but not necessarily products that would allow it to sort of flourish um, in its natural form. And I know I was hunting for them. And so my journey is filled with hundreds of aha moments of like, oh, this works better. Or, oh, this work uh, oh, oh, I want to do this. And I, okay, so now I'll narrow it down for this purpose. The moment on Girlfriends, um, I don't know where it was in the girlfriend's journey. There are two moments. One, I went to buy products at the beauty supply, one of the beauty supply shops on Wilshire in Los Angeles, where they have the salons in the back. They're sort of the professional beauty salon, uh, beauty supply places. And the salon, the hairdresser came out of the back and he was like, girl, if you, he was like, you have no idea the amount of people that come in here with tear sheets of you from girlfriends and say, I want this girl's hair. And I tell them we need to sew it in. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Like, I, I, you don't need to sew it in. People just need the right products. And he was like, well, if you made products, you would be a millionaire. And I was like, really? And that was the first seed of my own journey and all that I had learned could actually possibly turn into something. From that point, it was 10 years until Pattern in 2019. Um, the other turning point was earlier than that on Girlfriends, I did an event with Curly Nikki. I don't know if you remember her. Curly Nikki was one of the first natural hair care bloggers. She now has a podcast and she's this amazing, incredible woman. But I did an event with Curly Nikki and another brand. And I remember I pulled up and around the block were all of these women with their hair natural or in slick back buns, wearing Ruby Woo lipstick, looking like Joan on Girlfriend's. And I realized there was more than just me. It was when I kind of fell into the vastness of this community of people. And, you know, there was no internet at the time. I mean, there was internet, there wasn't social media. Um, And so we didn't have that ability to connect. So I would say those two moments um, were kind of crystallizations of, oh, this is not just me, and I can hone this idea and turn it into something
4: there's this sort of shared experience that happens amongst Black women who are, you know, wearing their natural hair or going on their own natural hair journeys, where we know of one or two places that have our products. And if they have our products, we've got two lines to choose from. If if we're like, at least that's what the case was like 10, even five years ago. Yeah. And now we're seeing this expansion. And what I find so interesting about um, brands like Pattern, like Fenty, they are born out of this necessity. And then it's almost like, I don't want to be dramatic and say instantaneous, but very soon after you see the industry kind of respond, all of a sudden these-
2: Well, there's, there's a there's a track record of that in all industries. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that we've seen before. We know what that is. It's always a surprise until it's not- Um, It happens in Hollywood with television shows. It's always like, oh my God, I can't believe everybody. And then it's like, as if it's a fluke, you know? Um, The truth is, and this is what I say all the time, this community, this vast, extraordinary community has been here forever um, through time. Like, and my hair connects me to the legacy of my, um, my people and of just so much, <laughs> my family and all of it. So we have existed. Our beauty has been here. Our, um, our uh, individuality has been here. Our power has been here. All of these things have been here, but the industry is slow to pick it up. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the reasons it took me 10 years to get this company off the ground. The idea, you know, the natural hair movement that was happening with articles being written in the New York Times, et cetera, wasn't happening at that moment. Um, The term black girl magic didn't exist at that moment. Social media. And I always say about the term black girl magic, it allowed people to put a frame on something they had not identified before. Um, Now, I'm not saying me or you, but other people that didn't see it that way, because historically there was a narrative told about our beauty and our um, features and our texture and all of those things that the term black girl magic allowed a lot of people who had a blind spot around that beauty to or and that power that um, that magic um, to put a frame around it and it helps to them to see it in a way um, but all that stuff didn't exist and now I have no idea what your question was
4: because I got off subject <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much that spot Definitely. on what I was going to ask was what, you know, what did you notice from the industry in response to Pattern Beauty? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like you you say, like, this has always existed. Um, and the industry is just sort of catching up. They're not, um, you know.
2: But, you know, that's the case always. Like, look, I, I look at what I do both in the beauty space and in the acting space and in the producing space. I look at it all as the same thing. It's mm-hmm. me sharing and telling the truth. So, and I consider myself an artist and art is often sort of ahead of the game. You know what I mean? We're the people that are willing to take that risk out of the status quo, out of cultural norms and kind of push um, a, an honest narrative that perhaps no one else had the courage, the whatever, or, or, you know, and by the way, I don't think it's just me. It's not that I just have the courage. I'm on the heels of all the heels, the shoulders of all of these people that come before me that have tilled the soil and opened up the space in a way that there was room for me. The same way I hope to do the same for others. My point is not to be the only brand it's to open up a space. So there's tons and there is um, a space for a sh- you know shelf space that can't contain us because I think that it, that in and of itself limits us. But you know, Madam CJ Walker, There was such a gap between then and now, but I look at her for inspiration. And she's one of those people that showed me that even in that time, that knowing, doing, doing the work, being um, specific, you, you, you can make a path, you know? And I do think that the industry, it feels similar. And, you know, the way blackish kind of opened something up. You think of when blackish started and, and the, the wave that kind of trickled after that. And I feel like um, some of it is the zeitgeist, it's like the timing that, ha- that occurs, but I, um, I feel like it took me 10 years to name and name a mission and sort of put language to a vision I had. And by the time that 10 years was done, I really had such clarity about what I wanted this brand to be, more than just a space to get good hair products.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design colors and content.
3: Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores from cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps to connected TV and off-site media across web and social to in-store activations and live events. Walmart connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections.
4: I think that's a perfect seg into kind of the other ways that you've impacted um, the communities um, worldwide, speaking of Blackish in particular, um, and talking about truth and artistry. I know that for me, um, it meant so much to me, not only to see Rainbow Johnson, Dr. Rainbow Johnson, just in, in all of her splendor, but what really stuck to my bones was seeing her be so open about her postpartum depression. Um because mental health in the black community, that is a very long, long journey in terms of getting to this point where we can have um, a Black woman be so open about uh, her mental health and who was so put together. Um, as we say. But I think some of my favorite stories that stem from Blackage stem from behind the camera. Um, you, opened up last year about how you had to speak up and say, like, why is Rambo doing all of the lady chores? Why is she (laughs) holding the laundry basket and helping with dinner? What, my question there is, what advice do you have for people who are struggling to find their voice in that way? And sort of how do how do they push beyond the fear to advocate for themselves in that way?
2: You know, um, first I want to acknowledge the postpartum episode. Thank you for mentioning it. I feel so proud of that episode. Corey Neckerson wrote it. It it was a really um, special episode to both act in and be a part of. And I had never seen anything like that done on television in that way. And to see the different generations with Ruby and, The fact that Dre was the one that actually opened up the space for Rainbow to kind of um, acknowledge what was going on for her was really special. Um, In terms of the lady chores, just to give a little bit of context, it's something I've done always throughout my career. Um, And the way I look at things is how is this, um, is this true for the character, for the scene? And then I like to pull back and look at it in the context of television for a woman and for a black woman. And then I kind of weigh, is, does this feel truthful and honest for this situation? Um, our writers and producers don't purposefully give me lady chores. Sometimes it's like all of us, we come by it honestly. There are things that have become a part of the tropes of doing things that you just kind of do them. And I really like to poke holes in those things and say, but why, but why? Um, and why am i doing that now um, in terms of the question itself and how what advice or suggestion would i share with others in terms of finding their voice and advocating for self it is a really hard thing to do <laughs> um i get scared i happen to be one of those people i always say i'm a jump off the cliff person like i'm one of those people that's like i got this and i don't i don't even realize and i do scary things and then while i'm flying down off the cliff. I'm like, wait, nobody told me there were stairs. What? <laughs> Why did I even ask about stairs? Like, and so I get, or I get scared when I land down at the bottom. So I'm somebody who will speak up because something like doesn't feel right in my soul and then get scared. Did I say it wrong? Have I ruined my, uh, whatever. Um, I think the suggestion that I would give people is, and this moves into other areas find a small group of people that you really trust because the good things people say the bad things people say it's really none of your business and is usually more of a comment even in what I do like it's more of a comment on the people saying them than about you it's you know it is what it is but find a group of people whose judgment point of view perspective you trust some that possibly are steps ahead of you, some that are behind you, people that you trust, maybe four people max. And try things out with them. You know, I like to say, like reason something out with somebody else. I also like to say, um, which is a good reminder for me, most emergencies, most involve an ambulance or 911. So when you have the, the, you know, when your stomach gets in knots or your heart starts to get tangled because something doesn't feel right, pause for a second and see if you can reason out with another person what exactly you're feeling. Is what you're feeling historical? Is it, um, they say if it's hysterical, it's historical. Is it about the current situation? Is it about you advocating for something more than yourself? And what is it exactly that you can language specifically that says what you mean and means what you say? So that you can actually be, able to express the thing that needs to be said on your own behalf. And when you reason those things out with someone else, it's easy to get it, you know, get that language right so you can be clear. Because often when you're advocating for yourself, there's so much feeling involved, it's sometimes hard to get it straight. You know what I mean? To feel like you can like get the words out right. Um, And I'll also say that sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you can't pause. Sometimes there's no chance to reason it out and something comes out of your mouth. And what I will say is, I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, I wake up every morning trying to do my best. And even with doing my best, sometimes some days are crappy. Sometimes you do stuff that's like, oh my God, I wish I hadn't done that. Sometimes you know better and you still don't do better. And I like to say, and a friend of mine always used to say, give yourself 10,000 breaks and then give yourself 10,000 more. You're a human being. If you discover that something that you've said or something that you've done was not expressed in the tone or the way that you had wished you had done it, give yourself a break, make an amends, apologize sincerely, take in that hit of, oh, that was crappy, and then keep it moving because you're a human being. And I think like all of those things are a part of it. Um, And I have to do the same thing every day and all the time. Sometimes things blurt out of my mouth in the way that I was like, wow, that was not great, or that was not really what I meant. Sometimes I have time to reason things out, perfect my language and say it, and it still doesn't come out right. I think what's important is the intention and learning that you are worth advocating for. You are worth advocating for yourself and also those that might be more vulnerable than you. It is worth it. It's important. Using your voice, we see what it does in our world. And we see that we need to have the courage to do those things in order for our world to stay the kind of place that we all feel proud to live in.
4: That's beautiful. And also like one of those things where you definitely have to like learn on the job, kind of trial by fire of like, as you mentioned, like sometimes you just don't have that time to assess.
2: Yeah, sometimes you don't. And, you know, I'm 48 years old, like I've had some practice. And it's still not easy. And sometimes it's easier than it was before. Sometimes I intuitively know how to handle things that used to be like baffling to me, you know? And then sometimes I'm like, never seen this before. This is terrifying. Oh my God. You know what I mean? So all of the things are are a part of it.
4: So kind of to, to pivot a little bit with the same question though, what is the most valuable advice or the most valuable lesson you've learned about firming up your personal brand outside of your acting?
2: I think it's a lesson that applies everywhere. It's do your homework, do your work, learn, be teachable, be open. Um, I didn't know how to be a CEO. By the way, when I grew up, I didn't grow, I think it was like in my forties, I learned when someone said C-suite, I was like, what's a C-suite? Why are you in the A-suite? I was like, I don't get it. Like, and they were like, like C, C, like, uh, you know, um, whatever, uh, uh, CEOs, all the CEOs, the CFOs, the COOs, the CMOs, um, you're the chief, this is the chief people. And I didn't even know what that was. So I think my advice is you don't have to, and I don't like advice, Suggestion. You don't have to know everything to do anything, but what you need to do is your homework. Um, all my little nieces and nephews are like, you need so much homework. I'm like, <laughs> it's only gonna get worse. <laughs> like when you get older, you will have more homework and they won't call it that; it'll just be your job. Um, so I think the biggest um, lesson I learned is that it's okay not to know everything, but then get the information, ask mm-hmm. questions, um and really learn. Learn the things you don't know. Because the more you know, what is that? That was that old thing. The more you know, and there would and then there was a little star with a thing. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> reading rainbow or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but the more you know, the more empowered and confident you feel, and the um the risk of feeling like a fraud or the risk of feeling like you don't belong, um, lessens, it, it diminishes.
4: And I guess my final question, and I know that we're, um, trying to practice mindfulness and being in the moment, but I can't help but ask what's next for Tracy Ellis Ross.
2: (laughs) Uh, Um, you know, this is the last season of blackish that we're walking into. So, um, it's all ahead. <laughs> you know, I said in the article, I read the article back from the, the cover that your trailblazer cover. And I said, you know, I'm only 48 and I feel that way, you know, um, there's so much left ahead for pattern. Um, there's a lot of expanded distribution, which I feel really excited about really good, exciting things that are coming that we'll be able to announce soon. Um, sort of expanding, um, there is so much more to do in the hair care space, and there's a lot um, down the pike that we are working on that I'm excited about. Um, we have Jody coming, uh, the spinoff of Daria, and I have a lot of projects in development that I'm very excited about. I have the podcast "I Am America" with Dear Media, um, and that is ahead. I will not be the voice of the podcast, but I'm an executive producer and. Very thrilled about that. It is um, a podcast that really dives in on those extraordinary humans that look like they're doing ordinary things, but in their um, the actions that they take and the way they do them in their lives, they are changing the world for everyone around them. Um, and so it'll be telling those stories of the ordinary, quote unquote, people who do extraordinary things. In our communities, those that we rarely look, take a look at as our heroes. Um, and yeah, that's a nice handful. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I have about a thousand more questions for you and I'm going to humbly ask Adweek to maybe throw another summit so I can get those in. Perfect. Um, perfect. <laughs> well, it, to, uh, you know, it's sad to kind of bring this to a close because I think that The suggestions and the insight that you've offered have been just invaluable. And I wish that I could ask you about your daily journey, just taking us day by day so that we can get a better idea of what Tracy Ellis Ross goes through during the day and kind of glean that for ourselves. But I think maybe the closest we can get to is some takeaways. Do you have some takeaways for our audience?
2: I do. Oh, look, you guys have got them right here. So I got three takeaways for you. Um, One is to create an infrastructure and have a diverse pipeline of talent so that diverse candidates can enter and grow in your business. And I think, um, you know, this depends on like what area of business you're in, but I think no matter what area you are in, you want to create a space, an environment where people can enter um, from all different kinds of backgrounds. And I think, for example, um, recruiting from HBCUs um, and also looking at how how your HR department actually hires, like what are the standards that they utilize? Because if we want to change the dynamics of the table and the environments that we're in, we have to look in different places. And if we look in different places, it doesn't mean the talent isn't there, but their experience might be different. And it it might be measured in different ways. And so you want to be able to make sure that you are um, not just looking in different places, but also changing the standard for which you receive those people. And then keep track of that pool of people that comes in and make sure that they are thriving and not turning them into you, but allowing you to learn from them. Um, the second is, and this is, a, this is really important, is think of equity like the sun. No one ever stands around and says, there's not enough sun. Stop. If you get sun, I'm not going to get any. So think of equity like that. It doesn't belong to anyone, but there's plenty for everyone. So if you happen to have some equity or if you have more than other people, um, keep your arms open and share it. Because sharing doesn't lessen your light, it's actually gonna brighten your world. So I really feel like everyone has a role to play in equity. There's been a lot of conversation about diversity and inclusion, but I like to remind people that the E in the middle, it's not an and, put the E in. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion can very easily become box checking exercises. But if you allow the equity to be in there as part of that equation, That is where we start to fundamentally change the world that we live in. Um, It's by sharing the equity. Share the sun. It wasn't yours in the first place. Um, The third is to be active and intentional in your pursuit of diversity, equity, and inclusion, Um, which means looking at everywhere that you spend money, including the vendors or your legal counsel, the PR, marketing consultants, creative, Any of the spaces where you spend your money as a company, as an individual, look at where that is and who it's from because that's another way that we share the equity. We don't look at the places where structural racism might be baked in. And so giving large contracts to big agencies or vendors that you've worked with over time and consistently, sometimes you need to reimagine that so that you can help to incubate new brands or a different company, give them a shot, give them an opportunity. And that is how we start to grow um, and you know, take a, make a different cake.
4: <laughs> Tracy, once again, thank you so, so much for talking to me today. And I hope that we can bring you back as soon as possible.
2: I hope so. This has been such a treat. My interview is a treat. Being on the cover of your Trailblazers issue is like an absolute honor. The company I'm in is amazing. And this conversation with you, Shannon, has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time and your wonderful questions and, and listening so wonderfully. I appreciate it.
4: Oh, thank you so, so much.
3: Thank you for listening to Adweek Presents, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manarino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivoney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com podcasts. Stay up to date on all things AdWeek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at AdWeek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest of market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit WalmartConnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media, meaningful connections.